0: Of salvation. I am the door. If any man come through me, he will go in and out and find pastor. He promises that. And uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, going over and meeting with, uh, tell me how you tell me how you say your last name again, brother. Cabreros. Brother Abe Cabreros. We have a lot in common. Um, One, we both, we both are semi-adrenaline junkies. Um, We are both Filipinos. We both love Adobo. We, we both love Filipino food, um, but we also uh, have something in common now, and that is Abe trusted Christ as his Savior yesterday, and that was amazing. So congratulations, Brother Abe. I said, man, there's a lot of things that just took, took place after he got saved, and I explained what justification means, the sins that are gone, and I said, but what makes it cool now is that you're my brother, and uh, you're not just a brother from another mother. Now you're a brother from the Heavenly Father in heaven, so congratulations. He said to me, He said, I've always believed that there was something after death and there was something beyond the door of death, but I didn't know what it was. And he goes, now I know. (laughs) And I said, Abe, if you died right now, where would you go? He said, heaven. I said, why? He said, because I confessed. (laughs) I said, that is awesome. So praise the Lord, Brother Abe. we'll, We'll thank God and rejoice for that. I said, there's a new name written down in glory. And the song says, and it's mine and it's mine oh it's mine so praise the lord for that i hope that you know the lord jesus as your savior you you really can't understand the bible you really can't according to the word of god you can unless you are a child of god the natural man receiveth not the things of god for they're spiritually discerned because they don't receive the spirit of god they're in the spirit of the world and those things are so contrary to the other when you open the word of god and you're not saved you just look at it and you'd go so yeah that's a lot of good stuff but what does it mean and yet when the Spirit of God comes into you because you've been born again, again, the Bible says that if any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. Um, when the Spirit of God does come in, he guides us into this truth. And it opens it all up for us. And that's what we kind of do. What we'd like to do today is look at First Samuel chapter 16 and ask the Lord to show us from this passage um, what happens when you say no to God. Now, if you don't have an outline, I want you to raise your hand real quick. We want you to get you one, all right? Brother King, can you go on over and give Brother Bedley one? Anybody else need an outline real quick? I just want to make sure we have notes to everybody if you want one. First Samuel 16, what happens when you say no to God? Well, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit last week as it pertained to David. Remember, from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him. The Bible says, and then he went to Ramah. That's in verse 13, and and we rejoiced at what it means to have the Spirit of God. We were so thankful, and we realized the greatest gift we could ever be given by God is the Holy Spirit of God. But I want you to notice the sadness of the very next verse, and that's where we begin this morning in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So we see the rising of one, the falling of another. We see the Spirit of God resting on one, And the Spirit of God departing from another. Now that's a sad story. The Bible says in verse 14 that he departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. I said last week, and and I want to correct myself, I was wrong. I said that they didn't know about David, that they had to go and find him. Um, And I misspoke because the next verse says, then answered one of the servants. They never left. One of the servants did know who David was. Notice what it says. Then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite he's cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person. And notice this, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, send me David thy son, which is with the, with, with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him And he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. Verse 23, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. Notice this phrase, So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the day and for the word of God, and now as we open it. We ask, God, that you would give us understanding of your word. In fact, Lord, I pray that we would all yield at this very moment, and we would help. Uh, we, would ha- we would make our ears to be purposeful hearers, that we would hear the voice of God, that we would not take it for granted, but that we would listen, and as you speak to us, I pray that we would uh, then take the word of God and, and desiringly obey it. Father, that you would see us yielded to your will, and then I pray that you would give us faith. And- wisdom and courage to fulfill your will and god i yield myself to you again this morning and i ask that you would please help me to get out of your way and lord i pray that your spirit would fill me and rest upon me and that you would use me for your glory i long just to be your mouthpiece and i pray that the word of god would have free course this morning in our lives i pray that you would be blessed and honored that you would approve lord of this message and i ask this for your glory in jesus name amen there are a lot of wonderful stories in the Bible about people who lived for God and made right decisions at the right times and saw God's hand of favor. Um, as they're recorded in Scripture, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe in your systematic Bible reading, but some of the stories that are recorded are a little longer than others. For instance, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. And, and, and it's very brief uh, about Enoch's life. You say, man, here's a guy that walked with God and never died. God just took him up to heaven. And the only other time you hear about him is later on in the book of Hebrews, and that's it. And then you have other stories that are very detailed and very long and very broad in their uh, description. For instance, the story of Joseph is a very detailed story about the life of a younger brother who was put through some unbelievable circumstances, and yet through them all, what happened? He made all the right decisions. He made them all at the right time. And for that, the Bible says that God was with him. And you'll find that statement over and over with him. Another one is the book of Daniel. When you read Daniel and his life, it's very chrono- uh uh, uh and, and very detailed and and about Daniel's spirit and how the spirit of God was on him and, and, and all of those things. And, and those are stories where you'd read and you say, man, here's a guy um, that made all the right decisions and no wonder It's such an elongated narrative. Saul is another one of those long stories that are chronicled. But instead of being a story about someone that makes all the right decisions, sadly, what happens is that you find out what happens when you make all the wrong ones. When you decide to say no to God and God says, "Okay, I'm going to give you the story of Joseph of what it looks like, and I'm going to be very detailed about the challenge that we have to trust God in all the circumstances. And then I'm going to give you another story that's completely the opposite. And I'm going to detail the life of an individual. Who's decided to say, you know what? I would rather do things my way. God, I, I want to take matters into my own hands. So instead of saying yes to you, I'm going to say no. And the story of Joseph and his brothers... And God's salvation of the family of Israel. We learn how we can trust God when our situation is less than favorable. When the whole world turns against us. How we can still rest assured that God sees a bigger picture. And desires to make all things work together for good. And then you have the story of Saul. And we learn what happens then when we say no to God. When we take matters into our hands. And honestly, it's one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible. And you look at it and you think, man, what a contrast. Really what you say is, what a tragedy. All both of those stories and all the other stories in between and after are for us to glean from the bible says for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. In fact Paul said to Timothy all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for, for, for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. God says, look, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm giving it to you so that you can glean from it. I'm giving it to you so that you can learn. Last week, we learned about the greatest gift we've ever been given by God, which is the Holy Spirit and how it impacts our lives for his glory. When we decide to yield, when we decide to say yes to his guidance and follow his leading, which means the Spirit of God is the greatest gift, which also means that not having that presence, that not having that influence, that not having the grace of God in my life would be the greatest loss. And you see that in Saul's life. Saul's life, albeit tragic in almost every way, teaches us a very sobering lesson about what happens when you say no to God. Most people think that the only thing that happened to Saul when he rebelled against God was that he got his kingdom taken away. Oh, how tragic. If you say no to God, you can't be king. But it goes far deeper than that. It's a very sad story. Scripture records a very dark reality that Saul lived in until the day that he and his son died in Mount Gilboa. All which is a which is really was just a crescendo of the tragedy of what happens when we say no God. I'd rather have it my way. I'd rather do it in my way than in your way. First thing we see in Scripture that happens when you say no to God is the absence of God's favor in verse fourteen. The sad verse is, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Sometimes we jokingly say, "Well, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye." Right? We would say that. You know, it's fun to watch your kids wrestle. It's fun to watch them go completely wacko, and it's all fun and games until someone comes screaming to you, ah, "I got hit," or somebody like that. Well, really, sadly, that's the way some people view the Christian life and the grace of God. That it's all fun and games. Until you decide to live your life on your own. Until someone loses the blessing of God's Holy Spirit. Um, You see, God's word tells us that there in us, there's nothing good. Now think about this. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would, that I do. So, except that which we receive from God... Um, there is nothing good that is in us. So when a person gets saved, all that comes into us from God is good. And that begins first and foremost, when the Holy Spirit of God takes residence in us. So now think about this, the absence of all of that good. Well, what is really the absence of all of that good? With the precious Holy Spirit comes his love. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. The Bible says that with the Holy Ghost comes righteousness and peace and joy. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. Listen, in the Holy Ghost, all of that comes When I get saved, when a person gets saved, not only do I receive the Holy Spirit of God, but immediately I start to sense this is the love of God in me. And that love of God starts to work in me. That's a good thing that I not only realize that God loves me, but that he wants me to love others in that same fashion. The same is true with peace and righteousness and joy. How can we live in a world of chaos without the Holy Spirit of God? And God says, look, I'm going to give you these good things. By the way, with the Holy Spirit of God comes the grace of God. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now think about this. What about God's mercy? The Bible says in second Samuel seven and verse 15, but my mercy shall not depart away from him. Listen, as I took it from Saul. Now, when you think about it, You think, oh, okay, no big deal. Saul was impatient. He disobeyed God. Why does, and and he just couldn't be king anymore. Oh, there was much, much more, much more worse things happened. God's favor was taken from his life. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that God took his mercy away. Basically, so the devil could have his way. God took the peace that passes all understanding. You can't be peaceful without me. Without the Holy Spirit of God's influence in my life, I have no peace. I have no joy. I have no righteousness. Why? Because Paul said it best. I know that in me there's no good thing. So I want to do something right, but I can't do it on my own. And he surrenders to that fact in Romans chapter 7. All the good that was in Saul's life that was given to him by the Spirit of the Lord is now gone. I didn't say it. God said it. The Bible says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, all of it from God, all of it good and all of it was given by the Holy Spirit and all of it was gone. You know, the Bible says that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Which means if the greatest gift is the Holy Ghost then the greatest loss is his absence. Now we know why David after his decision to do it his own way. Was so repentant. And so so needful of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to what David said. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then the next verse tells us some more good. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. You see you recall that at one point the Holy Spirit The Bible says rested upon Saul. And when he did that. That he prophesied with others. And people saw that he was a different man. And because of that. God touched the hearts of other men. And they went with Saul. At one point Saul had the spirit of God. At one point Saul had all the goodness of God. Remember all of his favor. All of his mercy. All of his grace. The peace. All the joy. The righteousness of God. All of that that came with the Holy Spirit. Which means that if it came by the Holy Spirit. That when God withdrew his Holy Spirit from Saul. That all of that good was gone. Now the Spirit of God was removed. So what did Saul lose? All of his good qualities. Not only when you say no to God. Is there an absence of God's favor? Secondly we see the presence of a great evil. Notice again in verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And it doesn't stop there. You see it would be one thing. To say the spirit of God is gone and now I'm just left to myself. But the Bible says, notice carefully, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Isn't that a pretty crazy verse? It really is. If we're not careful, that can send us into a tailspin. An evil spirit, the Bible says, from the Lord troubled him. Now there's reason that the scripture tells us, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. There's reason there's reason that it also says in first Thessalonians 519 to quench not the spirit when people grieve and quench the spirit by willful sin. He departs because he will not always strive. The consequence of Saul's decision to rebel against God was an evil spirit that troubled him. Now there's been much said about this. There's been much said about the phrase the evil spirit from the Lord and I'd like to address it briefly. And try to help us to make sense of what, it, uh, of what could otherwise be a very difficult passage. And I want you to understand. When you look at a passage like this, you have to take it in the context of all of the Bible. You can't just take it and say, oh, see, God, that's an evil spirit. So, so God sends evil into the world. That, that's not what it's saying because of who God is. By the way, God is only and always good. Okay. He is without sin, his character. You don't need, he doesn't need anything to be any more holy. He doesn't need to subtract anything to be any more good or holy. He is, and he will always be perfect, present, always, the eternal God who is gloriously holy. Amen? Now, that being said, then we have to say, okay, what does this mean? What, it, what could it possibly mean? All right? So let's just think. Some writers have suggested this was demon possession, that the evil spirit was sent by God and that Saul was demon-possessed, all right? I do not agree with that. And the reason I don't agree with that is because Saul was a believer. Saul did know God. He just said no to God. Does that make sense? And so if I have God's favor on my life by faith, I, don't, I can lose God's favor, but I'm not going to inherit the spirit of the world just because of my disobedience, even though God doesn't agree with that. And we'll get into that in a minute. Secondly, it suggests that it was demonic influence allowed by God. In other words, God says, now think about this. My spirit's going to rest on you. And with my spirit comes all of my favor, comes all of my mercy, comes all of my grace, all of my enabling, comes my wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Ghost. All of those things come. Now, if God removes that, what is going to take its place? there's going to obviously be something happens because God was merciful in allowing that not to happen and gracious to keep that from us. We would call that his protection. And when that hand is removed, then what happens? We become completely vulnerable. The Bible says if any man doesn't rule over his own spirit, he's like a city broken down and without walls. What does that mean? Well, if I can't control my spirit by the spirit of God, then I'm going to be vulnerable for attack. So the mercy of God is what's given Saul a sound mind. And now the Holy Spirit of God is removed. And what happens? Now the Bible says that he's troubled. The Bible says that he's going, to have, he's going to be influenced. Whatever the case, we know this, that Saul was overwhelmed. And as we go through this passage, as we go through other messages, you're going to see a man that is completely irrational in his thought. You're going to see a man who is suffocating in anxiety and fear and guilt and depression, all kinds of, listen, emotional and psychological turmoil. The Bible says that it troubled him. The word there is it terrified him. Okay? Now, why would Saul be scared? You could say, why would he be paranoid? Because the Spirit of God's not there, he has no peace. He has no righteousness. He has no joy. He has no one that's actually guiding him to make right decisions. All because he said no. All because he decided to usurp the authority of God. And decided to play a role that didn't belong to him. Saul had disobeyed God. Now here's the crazy part. And now he was reaping what he had sown. Now listen to what God says about rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now when we say the word witchcraft, I'm not talking about the Bugs Bunny cartoon that had the, the old green witch that was <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. I'm talking about satanic. I'm talking about devil worship. I'm talking about, I'm talking about necromancy. I'm talking about drugs. The word witchcraft has to do with pharmacea. It has to do with where, we, where the influence of chemicals. We were in Lancaster and we saw a guy completely out of his mind. He was a living maniac of Gadara. and L.A. County sheriff had to take six officers to subdue him. Why? Because he had allowed Satan to take control of him because of what he was doing to his own body. Psychologically and emotionally, he was completely er- uh, uh, erratic. He had no rational thinking in his mind. Why? Because he was being controlled by another. Now watch ephesians 4 27 says neither give place to the devil eight and john eight forty four jesus said ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it so everything in the bible leads me to understand one thing when i say no to god i might as well be saying yes to satan However you view that passage, the fact is, God said, I'm removing my hand and an evil spirit stepped forward to do a work that God says is if you sow to the flesh, you shall love the flesh, reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you shall love the spirit, reap life everlasting. Be not uh, 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 be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can sow to one thing and you'll reap. But if you sow to another thing, you will also reap of that thing. And we see that evident. That God's hand is off and Satan was open to attack. You ever ever have a thought that comes into your mind and it's disturbing? In fact, sometimes it's disparaging. Sometimes if you allow it to stay there long enough, it can be destructive. Well, where's that from? The devil. It's Satan. He's either bringing up your past or is trying to get you to go down a road in the future that both will be destructive. That's the power of suggestion. You say, how do you know that? Well, since you brought it up, when Eve was in the garden, who was it that said, Yea, hath God said? God doth know that in the day he starts to question God, and then he immediately inserts a thought into Eve's mind. For what purpose? To get her out of the will of God, to get her to say no to God and yes to him. And what happened? It was real, it came to pass. And now all of us are plunged into a fallen world. Why? Because, we were, because we've done something wrong? No. I am not a sinner because of what I do. I'm a sinner because of who I am. I was born into sin. I was telling Brother Abe yesterday, I said, Abe, uh, you have kids. You didn't sit down to your, with your kids and say, hey, let me teach you how to lie to your mom. Let me teach you how to sass your mom. Let me teach you how to disobey and to cheat and to steal and to be selfish. No one does that. So how do we learn it? And Abe goes, hmm. You're right. <laughs> and, and, and that's because it's true. So all of that was what? It was a consequence because of disobedience to God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Here's a great point. If God and grace do not rule us, sin and Satan will have possession of us. If God and his spirit and his grace do not rule us, sin and Satan will have possession of us. Remember what God said to Cain when he was wroth? Remember, Cain wanted to come to God one way and said no. Abel said, I'm coming God's way. The Bible says that God had respect unto Abel's sacrifice, but unto Cain's he had no respect. And it made Cain mad. God said no to me. And now I think I'm going to kill my brother. Now, Why he took it out on, on, on his brother, I have no idea, Abel. And so God comes to Cain and says, hey, we have a little problem. Why art thou wroth? Why are you so mad? And he didn't say, I want you to understand. He didn't say, why are you mad at your brother? What he was recognizing is, Cain, you're really mad at me. Why are you mad at me? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that that I am the holy, righteous God and this is the only way? And he made this statement when he saw Cain's heart. He said, sin lies at the door. And he said, you would do well to say no to sin and yes to me. And if you do that, I have a plan for your life. But if you don't, understand the consequences. And man, was there consequences. Do you remember what happened? Cain said, this is too much for me to bear. I'm a vagabond in the sight of people. And I'm going to go and people are going to say, hey, that's Cain. Let's kill him. He had already been tormented with the thought of not having God's approval. He had already seen at that moment holy rolling wheels this is more than i expected i didn't consider what would happen to me if i said no to god we see that when we say no to god there's an absence of god favor obviously there's a presence of a great evil and then thirdly it affects everybody else around us it affects others around you it's an interesting story i want to read it again here in the bible Let's just read it in its text again in verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, by the way, at this point in the story, who can tell me what role Saul is playing? Who is he in the nation of Israel? He's the what? He's the king. Right now, notice verse 15. So he's the king. He has all sovereignty, all power. He has the court. Look at verse 15. And Saul's servant said unto him, behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles you, trouble thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. The word troubled means fearful. It means overwhelmed. It means anxious and distressed. This was a radical change in Saul's behavior. You need to understand that. When he was little in his own eyes, he was secure and confident in every decision. He wasn't fretful. He wasn't fearful, he wasn't being strangled, and he wasn't unfit to lead as a king. Now they see this strange thing happening, and instead of being a blessing in his court, he becomes a burden to those around with whom he has dealings. Now think about this, how bothered does a servant of the king have to be in order to speak like they did? How bothersome and burdensome does it have to be to go to the court of the king and say, look, we can't, someone's got to say something. We can't deal with this anymore. Saul is completely out of his mind. He's fearful. He's questioning everything. And, and, and we don't like it. Someone's got to say something. Finally, somebody says, uh, okay, look, we'll just go to him together. If he kills us all, he's going to kill us all, right? So they go to the king and say, um, look, it's obviously something's bothering you. Would you consider taking us, letting us go and seek out a man who plays the harp? We decided on the harp. And the harp was very soothing. And when he plays the harp... You're going to be well. Now, why would they do that? Because they want to be well. Their life has been turned into something that it wasn't before, and they don't like it. And so they're seeking it. By the way, it would have been better, wouldn't it have been, for the servants to say, Saul, you need to repent. Would have been better, wouldn't it? Saul, you need to go back to God. You need to turn back to God, and you need to say, God, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? You need to stop this. You need to repent of your sin. You need to trust God, and you need to say, God, whatever you want for my life. You need to surrender, Saul. You'll find peace. The Spirit of God will be on you. But they didn't. Why? Because they were seeking for themselves. They said, well, if we're going to do something, let's do it for relief. They wanted relief for themselves, and that would only happen if they could find relief for Saul. Now, let me just say this. The Bible is clear that people can see when the Lord is with a person. The Bible is very clear. People can see when God is with you. The Bible says in Genesis 39 and verse three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. In Genesis 39, 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. In Genesis 30, verse 27, and Laban said unto him, I pray thee, If I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. They understood that the spirit of God was with Joshua. Which means that if people can see the spirit of God with someone... They can also see when the spirit of God is not. Now, remember, if you look down at verse 18, the vibe, the last phrase of verse 18, when they're speaking of David said, and the Lord was with him. So they obviously saw the difference. This is what a life looks like when God is with someone. This is what a life looks like when God is not with someone. And we need that someone to affect the life of this someone. We need to find relief. When these men say David saw David, they saw him as, listen, a blessing, not a burden. That's what Saul was. When they saw David, they saw a solution, not a problem. When they saw David, they saw a man who was courageous. Look at, the, look at what, how they describe David. Now look, David is probably around 20 years old at this point. He's with the sheep. Why? Because he's the youngest in the pecking order of Jesse. So he's with the sheep. They know that. This person knows that. All this person knows about David is what they have seen. It doesn't say that he's my friend. It says specifically, behold, in verse 18, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, notice what they say. Look at verse 18. Notice the description. He's cunning and playing. And notice this, a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters, and a comely person. The word comely person means he's fit to be in the presence of the king. It's comely. Let your life be as it becometh the gospel. It's talking about it fits together, that David should be here. But notice what it says. It said they see him as someone being courageous, valiant. Now, how do they know that if all they've done is watch him in the sheepfold? How would they possibly know that? The only way they know that is because of what they used to see in Saul, and now something is telling them this is the guy. This is what happens when God's hand is. Is on you. They saw him as a courageous man. Not a fearful man. They saw him as prudent. And not a fool. Which tells you everything that Saul was being like. Acts 4 and verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. they marveled. And they took knowledge of them. That they had been with Jesus. Mark it down. It affects everyone else around you. when I When you don't have the spirit of God on your life. And when you do have the spirit of God in your life, people can tell now watch It doesn't matter who you are or how you're gifted. If you've been born again, then you're a child of God And you should say amen right there If you're born again, the spirit of God lives inside of you and that's a great gift. Can I just say this? Don't push him out Don't shut him down Don't grieve him Don't quench him Don't quench him or grieve him to the point where he no longer strives with you. If you're if you're if if you're listening to this this morning and the Holy Spirit of God is striving with you, thank God for that. Thank God that you're not to the point where you don't care. Because you've so pushed him into a corner that the door is kind of locked and he's like, look, I'm not going to strive with you for forever. The Bible is very clear about that statement. The Spirit of God shall not always strive. He'll only strive with me to a point. And if you're struggling, whether it's with, the, with, with getting saved and knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven, or whether it's allowing God to have control of your life, don't quench and stop that. Thank God that you're struggling. Thank God that you still need to say yes, and you know that. Thank God that you've just not said no and slammed the door, and now you're reaping the consequences. Thank God that you're still here, that you're still listening to the voice of God, and the voice of God is saying, listen, I'm not trying to soothe you with a harp. I'm trying to get your heart back by the Spirit of God. I want you back. I have a usefulness for you. I want to help you, So which leads me to the last few things i want to say and we're done what can we learn from all of this what's the application okay the bible says the spirit of god has departed the evil spirit from god has been allowed and now these people are suffering because saul is suffering and by the way i want you to notice what the bible says uh uh what the bible says in verse 23 and it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a an harp and played with his hand. So, so Saul was, what's the next word? What's the next word? Let's say it together. It is refreshed. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, and write somewhere in your notes. It means to take a breath. We, we Sometimes when we get exhausted or when we stress, we say we need, a, a, we need to go outside and get a breath of fresh uh, in the 80s when the step classes and aerobics were really big and Jane Fonda was, well, Jane Fonda. It was cleansing breath. When you take those, we used to have choir practice and I used to, we used to take big cleansing breaths like that. <laughs> you guys remember the dolls? I love the dolls. James and Marion were some of my best friends ever. They're in heaven now. And we would go, I'd say, okay, ready Marion? Into the nose, out to the breath and Marion would, would start giggling. She would go, <laughs> And I would say, what is so funny about taking a cleansing breath? She goes, <laughs> I do this every night. <laughs> and and, and it, it really, it's amazing what it feels like when you get oxygen, right? <sighs> Let's all try it, ready? <sighs> if you're like me, like right now, you have like tingles down my arm, right? Because you're breathing, right? What does that tell you about what Saul was not doing? It's called anxiety. It's called there was so much fear and panic on his chest that he wasn't breathing. And when David played and the Spirit of God was on David, Saul could breathe again. Maybe that's you. Spiritually, you're suffocating. And what you need is the Spirit of God to come again and strum those heartstrings So that you could go in the spirit of the living God. When we get saved, many people will say, I feel like a huge burden has been lifted off of my back. A burden has been lifted off of my chest. What are they saying? That's the breath of God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, And that's huge. What do we learn from all this? When we say no to God. From the life of Saul. Let me give you several things. I think you may have them in your notes. Number one, say yes to the Lord. You won't regret it. Just say yes to God. I I love you. I want to save you. Abe had no problems yesterday saying yes to God. His only problem was ignorance. He didn't know. He's always wanted to know. By the way, it's not a sin to be ignorant. You're just dumb to stay that way. He didn't know. As soon as he had all the information out in front of him, he said, yes, I want to do that. And he prayed and trusted Christ as his savior and he was saved. All of his sins were gone. He was forgiven. God wrote his name down in the Lamb's book of life. All of heaven rejoiced. He became my brother in Christ. He was justified before the throne of almighty God. God doesn't see him anymore. He sees Christ in him. And, and, and that relationship began. Why? Because he said, yes. But the Christian life is far more than salvation. Would you agree? Only use not your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. There's far more to Christianity than salvation. What does it require? That we say yes to God in everything. The Bible says in Proverbs 133, but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. That sounds kind of good. And shall be quiet from the fear of evil. I listed it in your notes as Proverbs 133. I want you to take these home. I want you to read them. The Bible says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of her is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not compared unto her length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand are the riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Those verses are in the Bible to say when we say yes to God, we won't regret it. That God's word is our guide that the Holy Spirit is confirming the fact that God's favor is on our life. And that's all good. Secondly, remember that the worst thing that God could ever do to you is let you have your own way. Saul said, no, I want my way. And God said, fine. God is not mocked. If you're going to sow your way, then you're going to reap your way. By the way, I said to you, Abe, yesterday, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. God says, look, I'm going to strive with you until the point where I won't. And when when I stop striving, then you're left to your own ways. Just read Romans chapter 1. What happens when an individual says, no, I know that you're God. I know that you're a sovereign God. I know that you're a gracious God, but I'm not going to honor you as God. And God says that I'm going to give you up. I'm going to give you up until finally I'm going to give you over to a reprobate mind. And you won't have any idea what good or evil is. God really wants the worst thing. Remember, the worst thing that God can do for you is to let you have your own way. Listen, that's why the song we sing in invitation is have thine own way. Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I'm just the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Surrendering to that is the key. Why? Point number one, remember to say yes to God and you'll never regret it. Lastly, we're done. Before you say no to God, and you may already be thinking that way. Always consider the end of a thing. Always consider what the end of this path is. Okay? Look, all of us have made wrong... If you've ever made a wrong decision in your life, raise your hand real quick. If you ever made one wrong, just leave it up. Leave it up. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. We've all made a wrong decision. Everybody? Okay, so nobody's walking on water in here. (laughs) Okay, good. We've all made a wrong decision. Okay? The question is never, well, has it, you know... Have you ever made a wrong decision? The question is not whether we've made them or not. The question is whether we've learned from them or not. Have I learned enough about making the wrong decision that before I make another one, I could consider if I make this decision against God's will in my life, what's the end look like? Saul never saw it coming. He never did. God said, wait for Samuel don't you're supposed to destroy the amalekites destroy them all follow my lead saul i want you to obey me i've got great plans for you saul follow my leading let my will be done and he didn't he decided he couldn't wait any longer he decided that he was going to be the priest he decided that he was going to have his own way then he was going to lie about it then he was so hard-hearted about his lie that he wouldn't repent he asked samuel for forgiveness and instead of god for forgiveness by the way man can't forgive your sin. Not a preacher, not a priest, not a church, not a human being on this world can tell you what you need to do to get forgiveness. Only Jesus can do that. He didn't ask God for forgiveness. And then what he tried to do is feign repentance so that he could still look good in the eyes of the people. God said, look, for all of that, I'm sorry. You didn't consider what was going to happen. And now is the beginning of it. This is just the beginning. It gets worse And worse and worse until he finally dies and it kills his son in in the same vein. It's amazing what people will do because they don't consider what this sin will do to them. Well, it's just a little lie. It's never just a little lie. Well, it's just a little pornography. It's just a little fornication. It's just a little adultery. It's just a little flirting. It's just a little relationship. It's just a little uh, uh, post. It's just a little whatever. Whatever. It's never just a little. It's always something greater. It always leads to something worse. Sin, when it is finished, is death. That's what it brings forth. So God says, look, I don't want you to make a hasty decision and say no to me. I want you to say yes because you won't regret it. And before you decide, okay, I'm going to do it my own way, just consider what it's going to cost your children. Consider what's going to cost your family, consider what it's going to cost you. Saul is what you could say was a nearsighted Christian who only saw what was in front of him and he never considered the result and the impact of one wrong decision. So let me give you this. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. so a habit, reap a character. so a character, reap a destiny. And you can take that To the bank with either sowing a wrong thought or a right one it all begins with whether we say yes or no to god let's have a word of prayer father we thank you for the word of god today and we thank you for giving us your spirit we're so grateful for that precious gift god everything that we have good is because of you and because of him in our life we recognize that today and lord we surrender to that And I don't know if there are people in this room this morning that are struggling, God. They're saying no to salvation by grace through faith alone. It's not about penance. It's not about religion. It's about being born again by grace. There could be some Christians in this room, Lord, who have tasted at one point in their life and seen that God is so good and gracious. And God, they've forgotten all of the goodness that they have because of your spirit. And they've been saying no, and your spirit is striving with them today. You're trying to call them back. Lord, today I pray that they would just stop resisting and grieving your spirit. I pray that they would consider the end of saying no and where that's going to lead them. God, I'm not here to play heartstrings to try to calm someone until the spirit comes back. Lord, I want to preach, and I want your spirit to touch their heartstrings. To sound in their heart. That they would say yes to the spirit of God. Lord it may be in their marriage. It may be in their job. It may be in their condition of life. It may be just in their thoughts. It it may be in their worries and their fears. I I don't know. I don't know what they won't give you. I don't know where they need to say yes. Instead of saying no. But you do. And Lord I trust that. That as you speak to them. About their need for you in their life. That they simply would say yes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Haynes, I have a personal relationship with Christ. I've been born again. I know that I'm saved. If I died right now, I am absolutely 100% sure that I would be in heaven with God. I know that I know that I know that I am absolutely saved. That is my testimony. And I praise God for his goodness. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand this morning? I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Would you just slip up your hand real quick? Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of that. You can put your hands down. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand today and you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven. You just don't. You don't have that peace. You don't have that joy of God, of God's promise. And you would say to me, Pastor Haynes, I don't know if I died. I don't have that assurance that I'd be in heaven. Would you pray for me? Because I really would like to know that. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand real quick? Anybody like that? I see that hand. Anybody else? Somebody else? I don't know that for sure. I want to know. I want to know that when I die, that I'm saved, that I'll be in the presence of God. Would you pray for me? Anybody else like that? Real quick. Christian, I want to come back to us. And I wonder if the Lord's spoken to you today. How long has it been since you said yes to him? How long has it been since you yielded to his will let me say it another way have you been saying no could I just could I just say today stop and consider the end consider the goodness of God consider the great potential of evil that could come into your mind into your heart and grip you to the point where your life is negatively affecting somebody else's life it's not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the world. How many would say, Pastor Haynes, God spoke to me today on a very personal level about my life, about me seeing yes to Him. And I want to ask you to pray for me during this invitation as I do business with Him. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand real quick? Anybody like that? Anybody? I want to say yes to God today. I don't want to say no. I want to yield to His Spirit. I see those hands. Anybody else? This, my prayer is that you'd pray for me this morning. Anybody else? How many would say maybe, Pastor I've been saying no. And God smote my heart today. I need to say yes to God. I've been saying no. I need to say yes. How many would say that's me? Would you pray for me this morning? Anybody? There's an area in my life I've been saying no. I see that hand. Thank you. I've been saying no. Anybody else? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to open the invitation. If you feel the need to come to this altar to pray this morning, I want to invite you to come. I want you to invite, invite you to come and just find a place and say yes to God in that area of your life. Don't say no to him. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we just want to say thank you for speaking. And now to these, Lord, who have raised their hands, I pray that they would say yes. For the one that's struggling with the assurance of salvation and knowing, I pray that today would be that day where they would find security in the grace of Almighty God, that the Spirit of God would take residence in them. God, for those that have said no, those that are struggling with saying yes, we pray that you would minister to them. And uh, Lord, I, I know this. When you say no to you, it affects your marriage. It affects your kids. Ultimately, it affects your future. So, God, I pray that you would help us all to be yielded to your spirit today, that we would desire to say yes, that we would delight in the law of the Lord that we would meditate day and night, Lord, that we would delight in your will and not ours. I pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the invitation is open. There's some here at the altar. If you feel like you need to come, wouldn't you just come? There's something